Well, today we are in week three of our series heading through the Psalms. We're going to be spending the summer in the Psalms this summer for the next uh, eight weeks or so. We're going to be just looking at different Psalms, maybe some well-known ones, some lesser-known ones, and just kind of digging in to see what God would show us this summer as we spend some time in the Psalms. So far, we've looked at two. We've looked at two different Psalms. Psalm 56 uh, was David, uh, David writing as he was being chased uh, by King Saul, trying to be, should be killed by him. And he, he's running from him, and this psalm that he writes in Psalm 56 is, When I am afraid, I will trust in you, and God whose word I praise. And so we talked about that week, how if we're, if we're afraid, as David was, or if we're alone, or if we're feeling like opposed, or if we're uh, just feeling, feeling outnumbered, feeling, feeling overwhelmed, that we can trust in God and we can trust in his word. And last week we looked at Psalm 51, uh, one of the, the more well-known psalms, Psalm 51. Uh, again, uh, David, David writes this, and he's writing this in the aftermath of, uh, of what we read about in 2 Samuel as he uh, commits adultery and then has the, has the husband of the wife murdered. And he, he ends up just, just, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And last week, we really caught a glimpse of the gospel, that the fact that sin is serious and that God is gracious, that if we confess our sins, that, that, that restoration is possible and that we can be restored to our holy God. This is the gospel. So this week, I want to I take a look at another, another psalm, uh, Psalm number 84, uh, one, of, one of my favorite psalms. Uh, and actually, there's a song that was, that was written after it that we sang this morning. Uh, and uh, I just, I want to just, just go through and read, read this psalm. Psalm 84. I'll start at verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I want to look this morning at what this psalm was saying. I want to look at kind of through, through two different lens. What was the psalmist saying and what can we get out of this psalm today? 
And really, there's, if you look in this psalm, there, I want to just start, obviously, with, with what it meant then. It's always a great place to start when you read Scripture to look at what, the, what did it mean when the person who was writing this actually wrote this. And I want us to notice in this psalm, there are three blessings. Three blessings, one in verse 4, one in verse 5, one in verse 12. And I want to use these three blessings as sort of an outline for, for where we're going this morning as we talk about what this psalmist was, was writing about. And I, here's, the, here's the first blessing. For the psalmist then, it was a blessing to be in the temple. Verse 1 through 4, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and a swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. I want to shed some light on this blessing this morning, this blessing to be in the house of God. I want to, like we have the last few weeks, just look at the intro to this psalm. It says, for the director of music, according to Giddeth, which is a, a musical term that no one knows, uh, of the sons of Korah, a psalm. The sons of Korah. I want to I just, if this psalm was written for them or to them or, or by them, who are these people? I want to answer that question. I think it sheds some light on, on especially this first blessing of being, it was a blessing to be in the temple. Who were these guys? Who were the sons of Korah? So I want you to hold your spot here in Psalm, chapter, in Psalm 84 and move with me to 1, Corinthians, or 1 Chronicles, I apologize, chapter 9. And as you're turning there, I just want to, want to just talk for a bit. This psalm... Psalm 84 is really just about being in the presence of God, this desire and this hunger for being in the presence of God. And throughout Old Testament history, God set up a physical place in the middle of his people where his presence would dwell. It symbolized his presence with his people. And there was an ark and a tent, and it symbolized God's presence. But it wasn't always just a symbol. Often it wasn't just a symbol. It was the place where the, where the physical presence of God could be found. You read in the Old Testament about, about God being with his people in a cloud of fire and a pillar of smoke, and, and you see God physically dwelling with his people. And this is the place where that took place. They called it the tent of meeting. They called it the tabernacle. The, this, is, this is the place where people would come. They would make their sacrifices. They would come and they would sing praise to God. And so King David brought the ark to the city and begins to set up a tabernacle in the city. And his son Solomon ends up building a temple and when it came to this temple, God appointed different people and different families to be responsible for the work in and around the temple, for the, as far as the construction goes, the maintenance goes, even the operation in worship. There was a job for different people and different families. There were priests and there were Levites. There were different duties. And, and this is where the sons of Korah come in. First Chronicles chapter 9 is a list of families. It's a list of names. Uh, and if you get to verse 10, you see he's talking about the priests. In verse 14, he's talking about 
the Levites. And then we get to verse 17, you start to hear about the gatekeepers. And this is where I want to read this morning. Verse 17. The gatekeepers, Shalom, Akab, Talman, Ahiman, and their fellow Levites. Shalom, their chief, being stationed at the king's gate on the east up to the present time. These were the gatekeepers belonging to the camp of the Levites. Shalom, son of Kor, the son of Ebesath, the son of Korah, and his fellow gatekeepers from his family, the Korahites, were responsible for guarding the thresholds of the tent, just as their ancestors had been responsible for guarding the entrance to the dwelling of the Lord. Did you hear that? The Korahites, the sons of Korah, this was their designated responsibility. They were the gatekeepers. They stood at the threshold of the tent of meeting. They were the doorkeepers at the place where the presence of God was in the middle of his people. Now you turn back to Psalm 84 and it sheds some light on what we were just reading. How, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they are ever praising you. This is what they did. Verse 10, I would rather be a doorkeeper. This is not a, a hypothetical for this group of people. This, is, this was their job. This is what they did. And so, so we read this psalm, and it's different than some other psalms. Some other psalms, they're, they're writing about the, the, the hunger for being in the presence of God. They feel, they feel away from the presence of God. They don't feel like they are in the presence of God, or God has withdrawn themselves from, him and the, from them, and they are... They are asking to be in the presence of God. This is not the case in this psalm. This psalm, they are there. This is their job. They are doorkeepers. And in verse 10, he says, A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. <clears throat> this, is a, this is a group of people who, who loved their job. It was a blessing to be in the temple, the place where the glory of God Dwells. The psalmist is singing about he, he longs for the presence of God, and it sounds a lot like, like love poetry, but I want you to notice this morning that it wasn't just about the place. It wasn't just about the temple and the four walls that contained the ark. It wasn't just about being in that one place. It was about being in the presence of God. Verse 2, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they cry out for the living God. And I want to be careful this morning not to just think of the temple as the only place where God's presence is. You turn to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 8 and, and Solomon, who, who again is <clears throat> setting up the, the temple in verse 27, he says this, But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, Lord my God. 
Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be opened towards this temple night and day, the place of which you said my name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer of your servant praise towards this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. See, even Solomon here is saying, ah, this temple, this place cannot contain you. But, but this is, I, I want us to just think of this this morning. When you think of, of the temple and the tabernacle, it's, it's not the only place that God dwells. The Bible talks about God dwelling in heaven, and the Bible talks about God dwelling in the temple, and the Bible talks about God being omnipresent, that he is everywhere at all times. The, the temple is not the only place where God dwells. But when you think about the tabernacle, when you think about the temple, I want you to think about a place where God shows himself in a particular powerful way to his people. And this is where the psalmist wanted to be. He wanted to be in the presence of God, where God was showing himself in this particular powerful way to his people. It was a blessing to be in the temple, the place where God dwells. It was also a blessing, the second blessing. It was a blessing to, to journey to the temple. It wasn't just a blessing to be at the temple. It was a blessing to journey to the temple. If you go back to Psalm 84 with me, Psalm 84, starting at verse 5, Blessed are, are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. I want to just keep us in, in his shoes in this place and just, just Zion. When he says Zion, he is talking about the temple in Jerusalem. This is the word that people use to talk about the temple in Jerusalem. So he's talking now. The first blessing, right? Blessed are those who, who, are, in your, who are at the temple. Blessed are those who, who, <clears throat> who dwell in your house, who are here, who are at this house. And, but also blessed are those who are, who are on their way. He's talking about people who are far away from the temple. But to find the strength really setting in their, their hearts on the temple. This was essentially everyone else, right? The majority of people lived outside of, of Jerusalem. There were a lot of people who would have to travel into the city to go to the temple or who, who even lived in the city, but they weren't at the temple. They, they, would, they would look at the temple and they would pray towards the temple. And, and I love this imagery here as they pass through the valley of Baca. Now, Baca is a, is a balsam tree. That's what it is. And it's only found in, in kind of dry, arid landscapes. It's... it's uh, the resin from this tree kind of just oozed out and it actually looked like tears. And so actually the word baca is for this tree, but it sounds like the word for wheat because these trees look like they were crying. And so the valley of baca, it was, a, it was a real place. It was a valley. It was a very dry, arid valley, but it was also called the valley of tears. And so, so the psalmist here is talking about, he's saying, blessed are those whose, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage, Right, he's talking about someone who's, whose heart is set on the pilgrimage, but also there are people who literally had to walk through this valley, this, this dry, arid valley. And he's saying that, 
this, in, in this valley, right, when, when it, brings this song, it brings this part to life, he's talking about people who are either on a figurative or a literal, literal journey to the temple, going through this, this dry, arid land, and they walk through this dry, difficult land, and what sustains them is the hope of being in the presence of God. What sustains them as they continue to journey towards the temple, as they go through the valley of Baca, they, their hope is on the presence of God. And it says as their hope is there, as they go and as they do that, they, they, they turn this dry, desolate land. It becomes a valley of springs and pools. Man, this is, this is, this is a powerful image here. Blessed are those who are in the presence of God, who dwell in the, in the temple. Blessed are those who are, who are on this journey to the temple. And this final blessing that he gives in verse 12, Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Really, in starting in verse, verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell on the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. To live a life of trust in God. This is where the psalmist is coming from. This psalmist is, is just hungry for the presence of God. He's, he's hungry for this. So what about now? What about you? What about me as we, as we read this psalm? This psalm of just wanting so badly to be in the presence of God, to be in the place where God dwells. What does this look like for you and for me? Turn with me to the New Testament, John chapter 1. <clears throat> you can leave the, the psalm now. We're gonna, you don't need to leave your finger there. John chapter 1. John starts his gospel very differently than the other gospels. There's no manger story. There's no stable. Instead, John, John begins his gospel by giving us a glimpse of who Jesus is. And, and he starts in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now when John is talking about the Word, he is talking about Jesus, Jesus Christ. Now I want to just read this again. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made without him. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I want to skip down a little bit to verse 14 here. Because this, is what I, this is where I'm going. The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. If you were wondering when I said the word is Jesus, how do I know that? This is how I know that. Verse 14. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Some translations just say he became flesh and dwelt among us. I, I want you just to, 
to circle, if you have your Bible, circle star this word dwelt or dwelling because this word is the same word that is used in the Old Testament for tabernacle. The word became flesh and tabernacled with us. The word became flesh and his temple was here. I want you to see the significance of this. I want you to see the significance of of Jesus, God in the flesh, coming to the earth to dwell in the middle of his people. No longer was the temple a place. No longer was the temple a building, right? You look in John chapter 2, and and Jesus has kind of a... We're going to kind of take a journey through John, by the way, so get your paper flipping fingers out. Uh, John chapter 2, he has kind of a conversation here in John chapter 2 with some of the Pharisees. Starting at verse 19, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? You can understand the question. John, John gives us some insight here in verse, uh, verse 21. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. So Jesus is already beginning to kind of change this, this language of the temple. The temple is, is his body. So Jesus can, begins his ministry, keeps, keeps going on his ministry. He's trying to train his disciples. And in John chapter 16, if you want to turn to John chapter 16, he begins to have this conversation with his disciples about when he is going to leave them. Now think about this. We're talking about being in the dwelling place of God. In the Old Testament, we have the temple. The temple is the dwelling place of God. The temple is where you go to meet with God and to give sacrifices and to be in the the very powerful presence of God. New Testament, Jesus comes to earth saying, I am the temple. He was talking about his body. I will raise it again in three days. We know now With hindsight, right, he's talking about being crucified and on the third day rising again. I will rise this temple. I will raise this temple in three days. You will tear it down. Temple was on the cross. Temple was torn down. And three days later was was raised up again. You can understand the confusion. It took 46 years for us to build this, Jesus. How are you going to raise it in three days? Trust me. So Jesus begins to have this conversation with his disciples in John chapter 16 about... I'm not always going to be here. And in fact, it's better that I leave because if I leave, I will give you the advocate. I will will give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be with you and he will be in you. And when he's talking about this advocate, the word that he uses is, is the same one. He's talking about, I will give you the same spirit. The same spirit that is with you now in me will be with you when the Holy Spirit is with you and he will be in you. And so where is the temple at that point? The temple is in his people. The temple is, is in his people. If you turn to 1 Corinthians with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. I mean, for the psalmist, it was, it was a blessing to be at the temple. I mean, he's talking about, man, it is a blessing to be a doorkeeper at the house of God. And for us, it is a blessing to be the temple. 
It is a blessing to be the temple. We don't have to worry. We're not not praying that God would make us a doorkeeper into his presence. God's presence is living and active in each and every single one of us because we are the temple of God. It is a blessing not just to, to be in the temple. It is a blessing for us to be the temple. And it is a blessing for us when we, we, when, we, when we get together. We do so as the people of God. We do so as the temple of God. When we sing his praise, when we shout for joy, it is a blessing to be the temple. And when we are going through the dark, dry, arid valley of Baca, the valley of tears, Pictures of Psalm 23 come into your mind. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though we go through the valley of Baca, these dark, dry periods of life, God is with us. How do we know that? Because we are the temple of God, and God dwells in his temple. It is a blessing to be the temple. I love this psalm, Psalm 84. I love this psalm. This this person who is writing this psalm is so passionate about being in the presence of God. Man, my, my prayer this week is that we are just as passionate about being in the presence of God, but we would do so knowing that every single minute of every single day, no matter where we are, we are in the presence of God. We don't have to come into the sanctuary, into this place, to be in his presence. No longer am I the gatekeeper to God. You don't have to come to me to do sacrifices. You don't have to come to me to be forgiven. You, you are the temple. The God dwells within you. Now, how powerful is this? I, I just, I love this imagery, but my prayer is, is just as the psalmist was hungry for the presence of God. It is better that it would be better as one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. And that we would go and that we would live out our lives knowing that, that we are in the presence of God. And it changes everything. It changes the way that we talk. It changes the way that we live and act. It changes the way that we speak. It changes the way that we, that we interact with people, knowing that they are, they are meeting with God. God is in our midst. It changes everything about us when we know that we are in the presence of, of God. And my prayer is that we would remain hungry for this presence. That we would not be satisfied with even one day elsewhere let alone a thousand. But we would be satisfied knowing that we live in the presence of God because we are the temple. Let's pray.